This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergat. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Matt Williams uh, joining us for the, the final Tuesday before he has to go back to school and, and get ready for that. So that, of course, uh, brings questions. Uh, to my mind of, yeah, school is right around the corner, uh, getting things ready. You're not coaching. Uh, are you coaching any soccer or anything this fall? So uh, what what then does a, a teacher get ready to do in the fall? It kind of starting here in August. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to believe that we're there already, but we are there. And every year you say summer goes faster and faster. But, uh, you know, I, I get to this point in the year and I'm ready. Like, I... I I've had enough time. Yeah. I've had enough time at home. I've had enough projects to do. I've had enough of that stuff. Sure, uh, I'm I'm ready. You know, I, I love teaching. I love being in the classroom. So, uh, you know, right now we're just, we're getting our class lists uh, as teachers. So it's start you know, you start looking through some of those things, and you know, do, are you going to have kids who are going to need some extra time or extra extra things that you need to get ready? Um, a lot of it is getting into your classroom and. Uh, figuring out where everything is after the summer, you know they they do a great job cleaning all of our classrooms, but they do take everything out of the room and put it back where they think it should go. Put it all back <laughs> and and finding all your stuff and finding all your you know uh, supplies and everything else. It, it is a real thing. Uh, so that takes that takes longer than you'd think. Um, and then you know it, it, a lot of it's new initiatives and projects and things that you wanna uh, that you know as a, as a as a district and as a building that they wanna really highlight. Uh, a lot of the preschool workshops are, are about dealing with those things and uh, you know kind of setting the tone for the for the year what do you want the what do you want your focus to be and, and what are some new things that you want uh, uh, you know your school to be about and, and to really be excelling at do you get a list handed to you from the principal uh, okay these are the changes the legislature made to what we're supposed to be doing these are some of our mandates which likely are unfunded. You need to implement these into your classroom. That's probably a challenge almost every year too. There is some of that. Uh, you know, some of it is the district has their goals and their their set things. That the building has their goals and their set things. And then sometimes there are things handed to us that that we have no choice on. And I think, you know, I I've tried to follow closely what some of those different things are going to be this year. There was a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, the people talk about the the largest investment in public education but I, I know i've heard from open mic uh the open mic show here dr yep. home talking about uh yeah with that money came a list of things that uh, yep. were not you know previously on the table and so um i'm gonna guess that we are gonna have some some things that are gonna be get thrown at us that maybe as teachers we're not even sure uh about and and we'll see how that goes um but yeah you know it, those preschool workshop days are they're important but they're there's a lot thrown at you and you know, you're kind of torn between, okay, long-term things, because you know, we don't get that many development days during the year. So what are some of those long-term development things? And then, man, I have to have kids in my classroom next week, and I need to be ready for that, too. Yeah. So you, you really have some short-term goals and some long-term goals, and you're trying to figure out how to manage your time to, to deal with both of them. Yeah, that's for sure. So there's a lot to do before you uh, get ready to go into the classroom. Do you know who your students are so you can kind of go through the list and, hey, I know these kids, and I know they'll be able to do this, and others are unknown, so I, I need to have maybe a little more time with them early in the year? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I don't teach any freshmen, so um, I have a lot of sophomores and upperclassmen. So when mm -hmm. I when I see the list... 
Uh, you know, if they're juniors and seniors, there's a chance I had them as sophomores and I know them a little bit. Um, but there are plenty of kids I don't know. We do get access to things like their test scores and previous grades and transcripts and some of that. So uh, I usually take some time and go through each kid and kind of look at, okay, what's their history? What's their, you know, what are they coming to me with? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and then if they're on an IEP or a 504 plan or some of those different plans that they that they um, create for students who just need a little extra time on things, mm-hmm. uh, we do get flags and, and, and you know knowledge of that and and you know kind of what what you should do to try to help this kid be successful or this young man or woman be successful. So, um, you know, we do get a lot of information thrown at you. I mean, uh, I'll be teaching. I teach three classes. Uh, you know, three hour and a half long classes a day. roughly 30 kids in each class so you know you get 90 kids each term uh and and so you have to you know you do your homework a little bit about who you're going to deal with yeah that's for sure and and for the coaches too then you mean you remember this you know then they've got to layer that in and practices start on monday this coming week correct yeah Yeah. so they've they've got a lot more stuff that they are doing their running practices as well as trying to prepare to be teachers because the wilmer school district for the most part, has teachers as their coaches in any instance where they can. It's not always possible. Some of the, like the boys hockey coach has been uh, a community member quite frequently. But, but boy, that adds a lot to the plate, too. It does, but, it, you know, I, I used to, when I coached soccer for eight years, or mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, I enjoyed that time because, you know, you have two, three hours in the morning, so it's not like it's all day Yeah. Um, for these first couple weeks. And, and it's kind of your, your, like, one foot in the door, ah, warming you up. <laughs> you know, a you warm up a little bit yeah. to you know to to your to your real job, which is teaching. And, and people sometimes forget that the coaches, you know, their real job is teaching. That's and, right. And coaching is a very you know you start looking at their salary and how it's broken down. Coaching is pretty minor in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, but it doesn't feel that way yeah. while you're, when you're in it. But uh, yeah, what an exciting week it is when the, when you first get there and the kids show up. And I remember the week before, at least in soccer. Uh, a lot of it was trying to figure out who was going to show up and who wasn't. And, uh, sure. and you know, at that time we were getting new students uh, so regularly that we, we really didn't know who was going to show up on the first day. And, uh. and, uh, and so that added an extra wrinkle. I think, you know, they've done more now in the summer and more, uh, they're maybe more organized than we were. So they probably have a better idea of who's going to be there. But uh, you know, if 50 kids show up, here's our practice plan. If 80 kids show up, we got to have a different practice plan. If yeah. if a hundred kids show up, we got to have a totally different practice plan. So right. uh, there was a lot of that going on, and uh, you know, it's just exciting. It's just an exciting time of year. Yeah, it sure is. Everybody is fired up about it. Everybody loves, uh, you know, the the end of school and the first uh, six weeks of vacation. It starts to wane on parents and kids a little once the calendar turns to August. Eyes turn towards school because kids have had a couple of months that almost of vacation time. And you hope that a lot of them are excited and want to go back to class, uh, you know, when it starts to. I, I personally wasn't one of those. <laughs> um, but, but you know, a lot of kids are, and that's great. And that's because they are enjoying their educational experience uh, at uh, Wilmer High School or middle school or what have you. And, and you just want them to be enthusiastic. And, and those kids kind of are, are fun to see come in. That's got to be really exciting. That first day of class as a teacher, I never experience that I did as a as a student but as a teacher you know that's exciting and nervous too how is my lesson plans going to go things like that even though you've done it a number of times yeah you know there's there's it's it's one of the things I love about, about being a teacher is that it's different yeah every day every year every you, there's it's unpredictable it's different uh, but it's also one of the things that causes stress in your life sure. is that 
it's different, right? That that I've I've done this now. This will be my twenty first year, and uh, you know, you're not that old. I'm I old, called I, your games. I'm old enough, Todd. I'm now, old enough. Now you're t- you're twenty one <laughs> years of. T- I called right. your game. Oh man, I feel old now. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. So, um, yeah, it's uh, twenty one years, and, and and you'd think that stepping into the classroom, you know, it'd be like, okay, I've done this. I I know what I'm doing, but it, it is different every year, and and. I also think in, in the old cliche is either you're getting better or you're getting worse. There's no staying the same. Yeah. I think it's important as a teacher to, to want to get better and to learn new things and sure. to try new things out. And so I'm always trying different stuff and, yeah. you know, trying different ways of doing things. And, yeah. you know, I, I'll admit this summer I maybe have put less thought into my into the year, but that only is going to mean that next week will be more stressful or the week after that will be more stressful because I will definitely be prepared. I tell people I'm messy but I'm prepared, so <laughs> that's kind of my uh, my go-to. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you look around my office, it's kind of the same deal. I'm, I'm messy, but I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so how about is it – put yourselves in the shoes of your daughters a little oh, bit. Yeah. What, what's it like being a, a teacher and coach's uh, daughter or child, you know, if, if you can? I mean, there's, there's a lot to that, too. Do you get a little eye roll once in a while? Yeah, I know, Dad. I get some of that, and you know the other thing I, I think for my daughters is that a lot of people, a lot of their teachers know me, mm-hmm. and maybe have even known them. Uh-huh. You know, my, my daughters went to every basketball game. Sure. If you remember, one of the things that my family did was when I went through the handshake line, my daughters were waiting at the end of my hand, I do handshake recall. line, and, yep. and um, so they they've grown up with people seeing them. Yep. And so they walk into somebody's class. They walk into people's classrooms that they don't know, but that person, know right knows, away. that person knows them. And, yep. you know, that that's an added, I think it's an added pressure on my daughters just a little bit mm-hmm. um, athletically too, you know, that, that people think that while well, I was a coach that so my kids must automatically be good at sports. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always work that way. And, and, and my kids are awesome and they work really hard and they, you know, they're, they're improving and they're getting better, but they're not just, you know, naturally gifted necessarily that they're just going to step in and, and dominate or, or any of that just because I'm their, you know, I'm their dad or I'm, I was a coach. What uh, grades are they going into? Uh, seventh and fifth. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think there's some pressure there, but, uh, you know, Maya, my older daughter, she's just a, br- she's brilliant in the classroom and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Callie, my younger daughter, she can hear something one time and remember it forever. And, nice. and uh, they're, they're just great, great girls and great kids as far as students. And I think most teachers enjoy having them in class and and hopefully that helps a little bit ease that pressure of you know people know me or people know them yeah uh but it is there's some of that there sure yeah and and that but they they learn to handle it and you know in the long run that'll be really good for them because you know it's not a bad thing to have a little notoriety uh, and learn how to handle that when you're younger yeah my, my kids are confident kids and, yeah. and I, I i i that's one of the things i really enjoy about my daughters is that uh, they don't lack of they don't lack for confidence, yeah. and sometimes I it sometimes it goes too far. But <laughs> for the most part, um, I think it's a really good skill and a, a really important thing. They're both strong-willed and confident kids, and I know that in the future that'll benefit them, yeah. even though it makes it harder to parent sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. So good luck to them in the yeah, school year. Absolutely, uh, coming up this year too. Yeah. Uh, so suddenly the Twins have a five-and-a-half game lead, <laughs> right, in the Central Division. Yeah. Because Cleveland signaled to the baseball world that we really don't want to win the division. No. They traded their best starting pitcher, Aaron Savali, for prospects. So that, that, they shot up a, a, a flare that said, we're not interested in winning the Central Division because we can't win in the playoffs if we do. Uh, the Twins 
didn't do anything at the trade deadline, which to me indicated that they were thinking about doing the same thing. I mean, if they really thought they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, they might have, or Super Bowl, the World <laughs> Series, they might have made some moves. They realized that, well, we're probably going to win the division, but it's going to be hard to go a lot further. And yet here they are five and a half games up. They are fun to watch, though. And in the end, as a Twins fan, I just want to be entertained uh, during the summer because there isn't anything else uh, to watch except for golf, and that's different. So I, I just want to be entertained, and they've been that this year. Meaningful games, right? Yeah. You, you want there to be meaningful games in August, and, and we're there right yeah. now. And, you know, I, the the schedule was front-loaded a little bit with the East uh, with the Eastern Division teams, I think. Yep. And, and so we were getting frustrated as they were playing good teams. Well, now we're back to playing the Tigers and the White Sox and the Royals a little bit more, and we can beat up on those teams for the most part. And, yeah. and I think that's what you're seeing here in the last two-week stretch. You know, the – I'm trying to convince myself that there that there's a chance in the playoffs, and, yeah. and, and what convinces me at least a little bit is the pitching. The starting pitching has been continued really, to be good, really, really good, yeah. right? Yeah. And so if you get into a, a five game series or a seven game series, and you can get two really good starts, and then maybe you can find somewhere along the way, uh, you know, somewhere along the way you find another way to win one more or two more. I, I mean. Is there a chance? Is there is I'm trying to convince myself that there's something there. You know, would Correa and you know, could Correa turn it on a little bit in that situation with the bright lights <coughs> on? I think he's that kind of guy. He yeah. can be that guy. Um, he needs to be. That's well, why they gave him all the money. I agree. Right? They yeah. didn't give him the money for the regular season. They gave him right. money to help him relax and play better in the postseason. Right. So, you know, I'm, t- I'm trying to convince myself that there could be something there. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so now it c- comes down to can we can we sneak a sneak a you know a series a win? series yeah well the first series they would be at home uh, in the best of three all three games they'd be at home uh, for though I don't remember if they allow them to bat last though in all three games mm-hmm. they maybe give the other team a chance to bat last in game two. Oh, really I don't recall maybe they don't either yeah. since the Twins are at home and it looks like. Uh, well, we don't know. It's the wild card is still up in the air. It could be Houston or Toronto. I'd take Toronto for sure instead of Houston because Carlos Correa is terrible against his former team. Terrible. He's hitting like a buck thirteen against his former team. That doesn't help the Twins. All he wants to do is shake hands and hang with his buddies when they're playing Houston. He's awful against them. I hate that. He needs to be a killer against his former team because they're very good, and he isn't. That's one thing that's really irked me the last two years with Correa is all you see is him oh, you know, chatting it up with guys at second base while going 0 for 5. You know, I, I've had kind of enough of that. Yeah, um, for but sure. I, I'd take Toronto instead of Houston, and Toronto doesn't have... Well, they've got Kevin Gosman, so he's their ace. And it's who starts game one for the Twins in the playoffs? Let, let's okay. So it's a best of three. Give me your three Twin starters in order who you think you would have uh, as the first three pitchers in the playoffs. Gray Lopez and Ober. That's how you would go. Yeah, Gray Lopez. I. That sounds good to me. I think they're going to go Lopez though in game yeah. one. Yeah, I think they might. Who knows? But I just uh, think I think with a. When he's pitching against really good teams, he wants tends to nibble a little bit. Yeah, and it, like last night, he was just pounding the strike zone. Yeah, uh, and I, I think I don't know. I think maybe a second game would be better yeah. for him. But certainly could be. Yeah, and, and Gray's got a little bit of that bulldog in him yeah. that you need. I don't Moxie. know. Moxie. He's I, got I, a lot of Moxie. I would go Gray. I, I would go Gray Lopez over. I think 
they're the yeah. three most consistent right now. Yeah, Maeda's uh, not in there, but he's uh, he's pitched out of the bullpen in the yeah. playoffs before, so that's pretty valuable, really. Yeah. In case they get a short start, he could come right in and and uh, take over the rest of that game. And then, unfortunately, Joe Ryan has kind of lost his ability to get guys out here. He's been not very good since May. They put him on the on the. Just- on the injured list now, and I think that's the best thing for him. Yep. You know, I think he needs to skip two or three starts, get himself back healthy, and then maybe, you know, maybe come back in September for a yeah. stretch run and, and be fresh again. I mean, beginning of the year, he was the best of the twin starters yeah. as far as uh, ERA and all those other things. Now he just he's making mistakes, leaving the ball up a little bit too much. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's funny that there was talk in, uh, that – you know, maybe he just needed a break and should go down to the minor leagues for a little bit. And then, like, the next day it was announced and he was put on the injured list that he had this this groin injury that he had actually been trying to pitch through, and it just wasn't working. Uh, it sounded like an excuse offered uh, to me. Uh, and they, I don't think the Twins wanted to send him to the minor leagues because he's ever since he came up, he hasn't been sent back down. Two years ago when he came up, he's been with the Twins ever since then. So I don't think they wanted to do a reset like Toronto did with Alec Manoa. Now, that's a wild card in that series. If Manoa suddenly starts pitching like last year when he was third in the Cy Young voting, instead of the 70 RA he had the first two months of the season, then they're going to be a lot tougher. Uh, then, it, then, it, then they've got a little deeper rotation uh, too. But I don't think they wanted to send Ryan down. So he maybe does have a little physical issue, but... They probably could have continued to pitch without going on the IL. Well, you send him down, and he's still expected to pitch every fifth day, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you put him on the IL, you give him ten days off, and he yeah. can be working in with the major league coaches and the bullpen yep. sessions, and and they can give his arm and his body the rest that it maybe needs. Yep. You know, he's still a young guy. Yeah, and I think people forget how young he still is, and uh, you know, and how many innings he's thrown. Now, I'm also nervous about Ober because. Uh, Getting Ober, to be a lot of innings. Ober has thrown as many. I think that he's already set the record for his, his number his of innings, most innings in a in a professional season, and so and he has some injury history as well. Those things, you know, that those things are huge red flags when you start to get to a certain number of innings uh, over your previous limit. All yep. those all those numbers. Uh, I think they call it the Verducci effect. Uh, yeah, yep. uh, That you know you can't throw so many innings and then your arm just you know you just lose it's just some. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's right. It's it's physical. It's yeah. it's hard on the arm yeah. uh, to be a major league pitcher. So it, it does uh, wear out, and and fatigue leads to injury. Mm-hmm. And if a guy's 60, 70 innings more than he's ever thrown before, he's fatigued, for sure, whether he feels like it or not. Right. And uh, that then the injury winds up coming after that. Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks as always for coming in on these summer Tuesdays. I appreciate it, and we'll we'll see you for basketball season. I'll see you before then too. Absolutely, but yeah, looking forward to another season calling games alongside you. Yeah. And- uh, yeah, thanks for having me in uh, each Tuesday. It's yeah, been, you bet. It's been fun. All right, Matt Williams joining us here on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends Podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.